Welcome you to another edition of of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm sorry, I forget what show I'm doing all of a sudden. Uh, I'm your host, Dana C70. It's Bat at C70 on Twitter. With me as always, Alan Medlock from Redbird Red Red Dirt Redbird. I, <laughs> let's just start this thing over again. I mean, I don't know what's going on tonight. Okay, Red Dirt Redbird, a Medlock one on Twitter. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's going to require our guests to bring up a level of professionalism here. And we've got Ben Godar from Vivo Birdos. Uh, ben, and it's, it's Ben Godar, right? Isn't that your Twitter? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just hanging out here on a, on a Friday night, uh, the Cardinals had, uh, you know, have kind of gotten started into that second stage of spring training where you see them start to face each other. Ball game starts on Sunday. Um, Ben, you were talking about the weather warming up up there for you. We've had some seven seventy degree days. It's starting to look like maybe spring's actually going to get here. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, yeah, we, uh, started to kind of the big thaw, uh, this week up here in, in Des Moines. So, um, uh, yeah, can see the grass in my backyard again uh, (laughs) and, uh, got a, got a Cardinal spring training game on Sunday, which I have to say, you know, a lot of people always count down to pitchers and catchers, but like, to me, it's that first game that really kind of feels like the oh, beginning yeah. of spring training because yeah. I can I can watch it on TV and, you know, they're actually out there playing and everything. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm ready to ready to watch even uh, early spring training baseball at this point. Yeah, I mean, the, the one at bat for Nolan Arenado will be enough to, <laughs> to, to get us through, you know, yep. for a bit. Going to see a lot more Lars Newtbar on Sunday, I think. <laughs> yeah, a lot of high numbers. Yep. And, you know, and, and, for, and for me, Alan, I know it's a little different for you because you're a little bit more flexible. Spring training, you know, I get excited and I'm really excited about that happening. And then all the games are in the daytime. Yeah. And I don't actually get to watch them because then we're, you know, at work. Alan, I mean, do you have a similar thing? I know you kind of work around your schedule to watch some of those. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm kind of like Ben on that. Is I really like when that first game comes out, just because you can follow the, you know, all the Twitter feeds of the guys that are down there, and then, uh, you know, and the, the journalists that are down there, and then the newspaper, and you see all those things. But then when you see it in action, and you hear Danny Mac, that 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 adds a little bit to it. I will tell you, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, between spring training, quarantine, summer camp, and then this, it, there's still a surreal feeling about getting started. That's I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see it. It's 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 an odd, just be, I mean, like personally, if it, I didn't even attend a live sporting event for a year. I think you guys are probably right. in the same boat, really. Mm-hmm. And uh so there's just a surreal feeling to things getting started, and I'm I'm really getting that, getting uh, amped up to to catch it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the weirdest thing to me is it's actually feeling kind of normal. Like the, yeah, the yeah, normal, yeah. The normalcy of it is almost catching me off guard because last and I was really excited when they they did go back to summer camp and they played games last year. It was just such a reprieve from what was going on, but none of it felt normal at all. But yeah, uh, and obviously we're certainly daily life is not yet normal, but, but as the last year has gone, this kind of spring training and run up to these games does feel kind of like it often does. So um, yeah, look forward to it. Yeah. Ben, are you a little bit surprised that, we're actually getting a game tomorrow. I mean, if you if you were to say like even a month ago, yeah. hey, we're going to start spring training on time, would you believe it? Oh, I'm very surprised. I mean, I 
through the whole off season, I expected, you know, spring training to be delayed by, you know, a month or two. I expected the season to start, you know, maybe May 1st or something like that. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. And I guess, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised because it looks like, you know, everything's gonna, you know, the, you know, at least start on schedule and hopefully stay on schedule. Yeah. And somehow the owners and players haven't messed it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's still time, I guess. Well, there's, they're saving that for next season. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is, and that is the case. That's what we've talked about uh, even last year. It was like, oh, yeah. hey, 2020 may not would be obviously be short. 2021 might be, and then we may not have much or a full season of 22. We may forget what 162 games is like. So. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to get some new hobbies for a couple years there. I think <laughs> possibility, <laughs> but at least right now, I mean, it's still going to be a little bit weird. But, and I mean, we're still got some of the strange rules um, involved, but 2021, at least right now, knock on all kind of wood, looks like 162 games and there is not a National League DH. So I, you know, we'll, we have to cling on to this last little bit of, of realism before <laughs> whatever happens in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we did see, like I said, the Cardinals have spent the week doing a lot of those drills that sound really interesting until you have to probably sit and watch them do those drills or actually go through those drills. Um, but they had their big uh, pitcher fielding championship. Alan, do you know of any other team that does that? I mean, maybe it's just because I just don't follow the other teams for trainings, but the Cardinals have this big competition for yeah. pitcher fielding that I've just never seen before. Well, I, I, I would guess that they do just because these guys are so highly competitive and to to uh, uh, break up the just the I mean I bet this is a different feeling of spring training this year just after the mm-hmm. the oddity of last year but I would think that yes there you'll probably see those in another camp they're probably not as publicized as the Cardinals are just because the Cardinals have such great coverage that's down there and I just I link it to these guys want to compete at everything so they've got to do it I I love when they showed the videos of it, when they were able to do that, because I mean, they would be cheering more than it would be than, you know, like your typical June game. It was, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I just think they're all hyper competitive and they just want to go at each other as much as they can. Yeah. Watching Adam Wainwright mic'd up at any time, yeah. is always going to be entertaining, but when you can watch him uh, with that kind of competition, it's a little bit, a little bit fun, but today we get a chance um, to take <laughs> I, I, before I get into that, how I don't want to say funny, I don't want to say ironic, but maybe how either one of those is it been to know that the press is sitting it behind the fences taking pictures like through the little things because they can't get any closer to that. It's it's kind of like what we would be doing if we were, yeah. you know, down there and they're having to cover this at that same rate. That has to be weird for them, but it it's just kind of like I don't know, maybe humbling a little bit too. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, it's. <laughs> no, I've been uh, I've been amused uh, to watch that, and I I do come from you know kind of a filmmaking background, and so I do mm-hmm. that professionally as well. So uh, it would be uh, <laughs> just watching what they're having to work with there. You know, they've got like a a phone camera, and they're you know filming through about six different chain link fences usually, <laughs> and so um, and and yet of course I, I'm consuming the content they're putting out. You know, I'm watching on oh, Twitter, sure. and you know they're tweeting and they're saying, hey, this is. You know, Nolan Arenado facing Carlos Martinez, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, well, I'm glad you told me that because I literally, cannot, you know, like, <laughs> two balls of red. That's right, all I know. Exactly. So. I, I cannot, could not tell who these guys were. So <laughs> that has been kind of amusing. <laughs> Hopefully, after all this, maybe people will complain a little bit less about the center field camera for Fox Sports Midwest because at least you can actually see the game there. Um, we got a chance to see a little bit of live BP and, and, you know, again, you take nothing out of this, probably. But if we're going to draw crazy, long, big, huge conclusions, Ben, we saw Harrison Bader have a home run from the left side, home run from the right side, off a fastball, off a slider. Again, you, nothing that you can really draw from it. But is that at least a little bit intriguing? Uh, a little bit. And and I have to say, um, I, uh uh, you know, Saris had a piece earlier this mm-hmm. week about some some guys who he thought could have some uh, some breakouts and some power breakouts. 
And, and Bader was one of those guys. And so for me, kind of coming off, I, I think if it was just the two home runs off of live BP, I'd just be like, you know, okay, great. You know, who cares? Mm-hmm. But, but um, you know, with, with uh, Saris's article kind of putting that bug in my ear that, you know, maybe there is a little more power there and maybe some of the, um, you know, success that we saw from Bader last year, which, I mean, I, I write off pretty much everything last year as small sample mm-hmm. size, but, um, but, you know, just to, to have a, a writer who I respect kind of suggest, hey, maybe there's a little something there. And then to have him hit two home runs in the same day and at a time when I'm just so excited for there to be baseball at all. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 buying it. I'm, I'm ready for yeah. the Harrison Bader, uh, you know, breakout season. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, Alan, I know you were a little bit disappointed because the first one was off your boy Helsley. Um, <laughs> but I guess that, what, what just struck me, just because we have talked so much in this offseason and so much even – last year was just the fact that he got one off of a slider yeah um, because breaking pitches right. have done so much to him do you think that there's i mean that's really what's holding him back right alan don't you think that yeah. if he can hit the breaking pitches and this becomes a little bit different story yeah, sure i would think so especially be, being an elite defender and you contribute with the bat i mean if you, if you step if, let's just say he has what do you have 110 ops plus last year i mean like you that, yeah. uh you start hitting breaking balls over the long term of long season. Well, then you not only turn into a, a glove, glove first center fielder, you turn into a, a, a top notch player. And I mean, he, he, we've seen that he has power. So that's, uh, it's definitely intriguing. I mean, it's, it's one of those to where um, we've kind of felt like last year may have been that year just because of, you know, all the work that we heard he was putting in and, and he was kind of being pushed by Thomas and those guys a little bit that, uh, you know, going into this 26, 27 year old season, that's uh, it, it could be something to watch. It's intriguing. And I mean, somebody has to step up out of that outfield, right? I mean, that's because without that, I mean, Ben, don't you think somebody has to if they're going to do any too, too much of anything with this team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, or they're going to have to go find somebody at, at midseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, you know, Bader, it's it's funny. Um, uh, my my friend, uh, uh, Ben Humphrey, who's at BGH, a former uh, uh, editor over at Viva Alberto, so just a real smart Cardinals guy. He posted a, a poll uh, a little while ago, and I, I don't remember the nature of it, but it was basically kind of, you know, what do you expect from the, the Cardinals outfield? Um, I don't remember if it was, you know, OPS or what, you know, what exactly the metric was, but everybody was more favorable to uh, uh, Tyler O'Neill than they were, you know, the majority of people than they were to Harrison Bader. And I feel like, you know, Bader's really just gotten discounted, <laughs> you know, at this point. Right. Yeah. And yeah. frankly, when you look at their their numbers, you know, I mean, Bader has better numbers than Tyler O'Neill does, uh, you know, o- offensive numbers. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think uh, we're a lot of people are still in love with, you know, O'Neill's kind of hulking potential. And uh, I certainly, you know, it's it's fun to dream on and I hope he can realize something from it. But in terms of actual production, we really have seen a lot more from Bader than we have um, out of O'Neill, um, you know, or, or, you know, anybody else out there, you know, save Dylan Carlson. So, um, but yeah, some, somebody has to step up and, and um, you know, um, I could see Bader and you, you know, you mentioned Bader. I, I do think it was something like a 110 OPS last year. The thing about Bader too, is he doesn't even, I mean, if Bader can be, you know, about a 90, 95 OPS, yeah. guy, he's a valuable player. I mean, his defense is so, so valuable. The problem is when he's been like a, you know, 75, 80 OPS guy, and then it's, you know, th- then it's a problem. But, but, you know, if, if he can be even a league average hitter, he's, uh, you know, very solid center fielder. And if he can be that kind of, you know, 110 uh, or, you know, 120 OPS guy, which I think he put up in his first season, you know, a little bit flukishly, I mean, then, you know, he's really a, a strong, strong player out there. Sure. And you know what? It, it's one of those to where I could. F- there's an element to me that doesn't want to say this next line because I feel like we're still on the pink cloud with Arenado coming over. But my expectations are so high with him coming in that I think that it relieves so much pressure off these guys. You know, because Bader was playing for a job, and that would be pretty tough. Now, at this point, I think they're going to say that, but he's a gold glove type center fielder, and you you get just a little bit of offensive reduction. Like you said, you get a 90-95, and you touch 100s. And you have a you have a darn good player, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that that is what kind of happens with Arnado. Is it just kind of rolls down the lineup to release just enough pressure off some of these guys that have felt like they've had to carry the offense, 
in the past few years to where I think everybody's going to benefit by bringing in that second superstar. Yeah, I I hope so. I, I did an article or a, kind of an exercise with somebody the other day, and we were just kind of a thought exercise. What's the what's the batting order going to be? And, and I, I don't care that much about batting order in general, but just kind of exercise, you know, and, you know, you're you know, you, you, if you go say, you know, you know, Carlson, Goldschmidt. Arenado, you're like, oh man, this is a, he-. and then from there, yeah. it's dire. It is dire from there, you know? And, yeah. it's, and it's, it's guys that, you know, beyond that, it's like, there's, there's nobody that I would say, oh yeah, I am, I am very confident this guy is going to have a solid season. So it's a whole, you know, two thirds of a lineup worth of guys who, it, yeah, hopefully several of them step up because, you know, if they don't, it's, you know, there's not going to be a lot of runs scored. Sure. I, th- I I feel like we're going to meet somewhere in expectations to Carlson. And I, th- I just like me personally, now this, I can go fanboy real easy. I feel like DeYoung benefits greatly from having somebody else because I think he's miscast as a two, three, four hitter in their lineup. I, yeah. I mean, especially learning shortstop on the, on the fly yeah. and all kinds of stuff. I like just that, that potential hitting lower in the lineup. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive, but I can completely see the skepticism from them. Well, and, and DeYoung is the, the, the other guy who I would definitely say I'm most confident in of the rest yeah. of them, but you know, the, the entirety of the outfield and, you know, Yachty at his age. And I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, and, 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 and uh, uh, Tommy Edmund too, you know, is, uh, you know, I think a real question mark too. So, um, yeah, that's that's a lot of question marks in a, in a no. Yeah, well, and it's funny because we we kind of pick on to Young because of we just say, well, man, he's he's ran out of gas. But then when you look at his stat line, he went thirty homer, thirty double, 25, 25 homer, twenty five double in two seasons where we thought that he just completely ran out of gas toward the end. Right. So I just kind of hope that they can they, they fit that in sparingly, and he's. He's not going to be your. He's not going to hit two seventy five, two eighty. He's going to right. be in the two twenty five, two thirties. But you get that kind of pop out of a shortstop who I think is above average shortstop. That's yep. a, that's a that's a good player. So that does lengthen your lineup. Yeah. There's also to continue maybe continue working your way down because you look at you figure Molina's hitting sixth most of the time because it's not that he couldn't hit lower, but they're not going to hit him any lower. Well, one cold um, streak from DeYoung, he's probably hitting fifth. Well, and yes, yeah, so there's a good chance that he could be hitting fifth anyway yeah. and DeYoung hitting sixth. But, you know, there was some talk this, I feel like it was this week, maybe it was earlier last week, and John Moselock came out and basically said, look, we've got to start this transition. We have to start figuring out what we've got left. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I've made that point a little bit you know, because of the negotiations. But Ben, do you think this is the year where we see Yachty play fewer games, not because he's hurt, because he may get some of that too, or are they finally going to, at least early on, give a chance to Kisner? Uh, I think I'm sticking with, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the last guest to, to, be the only guest to say that. Yeah. To say that. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I, I really think they should. I mean, uh, and the, the fact that Yachty's on a, it's a one-year deal and I don't know, and I haven't really heard a lot of follow-up on that. I don't know if Yachty's still very firm that he's planning on playing a, a, another year after this. Have you heard him comment on that after he signed the, the one-year deal as opposed to the two-year deal? I mean, I think he's he's not he's not said he's retiring at the end of it like he did at the end of his last contract. Right. At, at the but um, I don't I don't think he's made much comment one way or another that I can think of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that pretty clearly, probably the best thing to do is to and, and assuming that Kisner is the guy they you know they they have in there. You, you know, give Kisner at least, uh, you know, a start a week, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think that's the best all around. Um, you know, Kisner still has the the promise to be, you know, have a little bit of uh, offensive value. Um, so, you know, it's nice to maybe have his bat in there a little bit. And at Yachty's age, you just you have to think that um, while he has shown the ability to keep grinding out, you know, all season long, which is amazing. You know, I mean, I think it's pretty reasonable to think that he might produce at a higher level if he had a little bit more rest. Sure. So I, That's a great I, point. I hope, I hope they do that, but just, you know, knowing the personalities involved, I'm, I'm <laughs> my expectations oh, are not that yeah. it's going to happen. <laughs> no, it's funny. I mean, I say this and we're, and we're all going to agree on it, but 
Um, let's just say you start out, you're a decent club, but you probably need another piece. Maybe the outfield doesn't come together like you thought it would. It wouldn't surprise anyone, I don't think, if Kisner's on another team to bring in another outfielder and Yachty's back next year with Herrera. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? One of those types yeah. of situations. It's, it's definitely, and it, you know, like you said, Ben, he may do better with short rest or less, I mean, with more rest. Mm-hmm. But then I think that becomes the idea of, well, he's doing so well, so we've got to keep playing him. You yeah, know, I think yeah. that, you know, at some point in time, especially if Kisner is struggling, it's like, well, we can't afford to take Yachty's bat out of the lineup. And then, of course, he would, you know, kind of revert back to the the averages that we're seeing. So yeah. I don't know. I think it's, there's different, it's a little bit different vibe and in, 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 in smoke and mirrors, I guess, around, the, around that situation than it has been in the past. Because I feel like in the past, it's always been, whatever Yachty wants, Yachty gets. And mm-hmm. now it's not quite that much, mm-hmm. but yeah, Yachty still probably has a large say in what he's going to do. Yeah, out there. I, I will say, and uh, this is the most out, up front Mo's been about that though. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he springs it up just about every, uh, every, you know, every, every time he's on you know, the media somewhere, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Like I, I was thinking, okay, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see, but uh, he brings it up all the time. Yeah. That being said, Mike Schultz is the one that makes out the lineups. Um, and they, I know they discuss and they have ideas, but uh, you know, yeah. uh, he's the one that does it in the heat of it. Sure. So we'll see how, the, how that goes. Um, along with, on the other side of the battery, I guess, um, Jack Flaherty had his um, arbitration hearing, which is, again, I think the second one the Cardinals have had in 25 years. Um, had Waka about six or seven years ago, I think now. Um Cardinals lost. Flaherty won three point nine million over three million. Uh, Flaherty, social media maven that he is, um, put out some some interesting tweets afterwards. But this week, saying you know his he doesn't feel like his relationship with the club is damaged or anything of that nature. Ben, I mean, just that whole situation. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, I, you know, I I think. Flaherty is 100% in the right to, you know, have the attitude he has towards the the system, the way it exists. It's a, it's, it's not a, it, it, you know, it's, a, it's an unfair system in a number of ways. And it particularly disadvantages players like him who are very good young players. You know, they have to pull it the first three seasons of their career, no matter how good they are out of the gate. And Flaherty is one who was very good out of the gate they're playing for league minimum. And then the next three seasons, they're in this weird confrontational arbitration process with the teams and, and they're, you know, it's, it's, they're submitting numbers and it's kind of the ideas that it's on this graduated scale. So even in your first year of arbitration, it's not until that last year of arbitration that they're even really considering you at what essentially would be your market value. So, um, you know, that's, if you're a player, that's a terrible system. And, um, and he's a very smart player who's who understands the economics of that. And he's very vocal about that. And, you know, but the thing that I think people uh, I don't see any I don't see any animosity from him towards the Cardinals. I see animosity from him towards the system. And mm-hmm. I think some people because he sh- he shows some frustration about the system. I think some people think, oh, well, he's he hates the Cardinals. He wants to get out of here. I haven't I haven't seen that from him. I've seen, you know, he's just he you know, he he's outspoken about this system that's not particularly fair to him. So that I mean that's my read on it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fairly safe to say as well. I mean, again, when he comes out right after the hearing and you know, uses the Michael Jordan and I took that personally meme type yeah. of thing, <laughs> then you do wonder if there was a little bit of because you're right, arbitration is not a well, there's a reason that the Cardinals have tried to avoid it yeah. for the most part. You don't want to go in and badmouth your own player. Right. I mean, that's just that has a tendency. I think Michael Walker even said when he went through that uh, with the Cardinals about how you know it some some, some stuff stung. I mean, even though he knows understands what they're trying to do, but still, there's a, a little bit of human emotion in that. Um, but yeah, I think that I thought it was interesting that Flaherty said this week that he would not, you know, he's not guaranteed to be a free agent, that he's open to extensions or things like that, which is honestly not what I expected from him. Um, but I think you're right, Ben. I think it's mainly he's doing what he can to bring awareness about how the system is. And I think there's a, a number of young players that are going at that rate. And 
that may be what you know what really triggers some changes in the next CBA. Alan, what do you think? No, I agree. That's that. You took the words out of my mouth. I think that that is what's in the crosshairs for the union right now. Um, is I think they're going to want to shorten that uh, that time that you that they can go to arbitration uh, because you know it's shown for years that there a lot of players are reaching. Look at George Springer. You know, Springer reaches free agency this year after uh, um, several runs through and got knocked on his age, you know, for yeah. for a lot of it. And I know that the guys are thinking we're losing a lot of earning potential by these going to the arbitration style um, mandates. So after three or four years, and mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the first things that they're going to change. I, I would think that's probably the most important. You know, we're going to hear a salary cap and a salary bottom. I don't know if that's ever going to work. If if that's if they're if those are the things that they're going to stick their uh, their heels in the sand, we may be without baseball for a couple of years because I just don't know if that's ever going to work. But I think one of the first things that they're going to try to approach is that arbitration process. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing that makes me so you know, concerned and uh, really expecting that there's going to be a work stoppage because it seems like from everything you read this negotiation, it's not just about let's adjust the numbers within the current framework we have. Mm-hmm. You get this sense. This is going to be, let's change the framework yeah, in some significant ways. And that's, I mean, that's a huge, uh, huge negotiation. And, and obviously these parties are extremely contentious. And so, um, it, you know, I think it'll be a real challenge to see that get done without a work stoppage. Sure. And, you know, it, it's funny. If you would have asked me before pre-COVID, I was thinking baseball's not that stupid. They can't do that to, so the, to themselves again. And I completely expect it now. I mean, it's 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 that bad. I mean, when they even in the tour, they could have been the heroes and how it looked coming out as the as the first sports return last year and i mean they just i mean they kicked the can down the road i mean they it, it was it was really embarrassing yeah baseball has a has a tendency to to mess up just about anything um it, it's a talent that they have well they, you know, um, they, they do but i'm just gonna um i'm gonna stick my my uh neck out uh, on behalf of labor here a little bit and say mm-hmm. part of the reason some of the other leagues don't have this is because they don't have strong rep- player representation 100 percent, 100 percent. i could not agree with that more yeah because i mean you know the you know the nfl you know just keeps you know rolling on but they do that because you know the league jams whatever they want down the you know down the players throats and you know, the, they, you know, run through those guys and they're, they're not, I mean, it's just insane to me that they don't have guaranteed contracts in that league where, yeah. you know, yeah. literally any player could just be destroyed on the next play and their, and their careers over. So, you know, I, I, when people criticize baseball, I feel like it's, it's almost the, the equity in baseball between labor and ownership that, that leads to this. And, 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 and that's not necessarily a bad thing, I guess, is what I'm saying. Sure, sure, and that's and that's one of the strongest unions, you know, in the United States is MLBPA. Absolutely. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that, and that's that's one of those to where you kind of feel like they're probably more in the right in this situation, and I hope that doesn't offend anybody. And but it also leads back to this could be a blowing up of the system type deal, and maybe that's necessary. Yeah, it feels like in the past ownership, and we saw this a little bit with the negotiations last year of course uh have, have ownerships tried to drive that wedge between the the veteran players who have a lot of money versus the younger guys that kind of need to play so that they you know because uh, they're not making anything and I, I said i think there's this generation that's coming up and maybe it's oh maybe it's always been like this but it feels like it's maybe because of social media and everything it feels stronger now that they're perfectly willing to take whatever hits they need to to you know bring the fairness that they think that this t- the system needs um and that you know is probably good for the long term of the game but it's not necessarily great for seeing a full 2022 season <laughs> right right yeah. yeah so anyway um we'll see how how that works out flarity is also going to be uh, opening day starter um, I know we were all shocked about that, um, but um, I did think it was nice that they haven't officially announced it, but it sounds like they're going to try to get Adam Wainwright to be the home opener uh, starter this year. Um, what do you think? Do you think they'll 
been and I know it's, it's you know you never want to guess for well what now is a month out six weeks out do you think they'll be able to have any fans in the stands uh, when the season opens in St. Louis? Uh, you know, it's a good question, and it's it's so state by state. And I and I mean, since I don't live in Missouri, I haven't uh, I haven't been following the kind of regulations and politics there uh, as as closely. Um, you know, in the state or in the city of St. Louis, um, it you know it seems like more and more places are kind of. I mean, the trend is definitely towards opening up. I know. You know, New York City is opening up uh, movie theaters here in the next week um, at like 25 percent capacity, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they've been just, you know, completely locked down for, uh, you know, a year, basically. And um, so my, eh, I, I think they my, my expectation is they will, um, if not on opening day, I think relatively, you know, within the first month or so, I would I would think in St. Louis and really throughout the league, you're going to see um you know, probably a period of, of, you know, limited fans in the stands. And, and, you know, of course, I don't know, it just depends on how, you know, vaccination and all that stuff goes too. I hope they're safe about it. I hope people aren't just, you know, Hey, you know, we have a vaccine now let's open the floodgates. Uh, You know, so I, I hope there are fans in the stands and I hope it's a good decision because, you know, but the public health situation has improved enough. And uh, my wife was actually talking to me about that today. And we're, you know, she was kind of asking, you know, well, do we want to, you know, kind of look at like planning a, you know, a trip down to, you know, St. Louis to potentially see, see a game, which we, you know, we, we've done every year until, you know, last year. And I said, I said, yeah, let's do it, but let's look at kind of the end of the season, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) like maybe August, September, I think our odds are maybe going to be a little bit better. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess as far as I know that the blues haven't had anybody at the games yet. So maybe. I think, I think the blues is up to 2,500 people at the games. Oh, have they? Yeah. Yeah. I, I fully expect there to be people in the stands. Uh, the, uh, you know, they're moving their season tickets. So that, I would think that's a pretty good sign. And you know what? I, I think outside of California, probably, I think that they're going to try to do their best, especially since they had them at the playoffs and at the World Series. And I, I just, I almost expect it. I would, I, I think that you're going to have very limited number until probably about midsummer. And then, <laughs> like Ben said, we may, the floodgates may open at that yeah. point. But, you know, I, I expect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, at some point. I, I mean, I've been pretty, I mean, just for what I see here in Arkansas, I've, I've felt pretty confident that by the time school comes around in, in, in August, that everything will be pretty much back to normal yeah. and, and going through those, you know, not have to worry, but very well maybe earlier than that um, with the vaccines that are getting out there. So, um, yeah, I mean, that would be, I mean, kind of neat if the All-Star game was kind of your place where, you know, have a full fan base. I thought know. about that, you know, being in Atlanta. I, 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 yeah, I thought about that. I was thinking that would be pretty cool if they could do that. But it's baseball, so it'll be some mid-game thing in June or something that they'll start doing it and probably before they should, but we'll yeah. see. Um, so anyway, Ben, what is your take then as, as we get into these early parts of these games? How much do you pay attention to them in, I mean, obviously you, you're watching them, but how much do you pay any attention to what happens? Do you look for anything in particular? And is there a time in the spring where you actually do start to make that transition to this really matters? Oh boy. Uh, I, I mean, to be honest, I pay attention. Uh, I, I guess I, uh, I don't take a lot of, um, I don't draw a lot of conclusions based on what I see in spring training games, I think is what I'm trying to say. So I, you know, I welcome them back more just because, you know, you know, baseball is kind of my, uh, my daily friend that's there, you know, most, uh, (laughs) you know, for, for half the year. And uh, I, uh, as you mentioned before, you know, so many of the games are on during the day and, uh, I often what I'll do if I'm at uh, work or well this year, if I'm at homework, uh, (laughs) um, you know, but uh, I'll often turn the radio broadcast on and it's uh you know but i'm i'm working and i'm i'm maybe half listening to it and it's right, more just yeah. kind of the uh you know the the comforting you know sounds of the you know announcers and and the sound of the game um so that that's mostly what i get out of it in spring i, I, I towards the end 
the places where I know that there's a little bit of a, you know, maybe a positional battle or maybe a, you know, kind of question of a last rotation spot or spots in the bullpen, I'll kind of start noticing, you know, oh, hey, this guy, you know, uh, you know, clean inning, you know, this guy got kind of knocked around a a, a little bit. But um, Mm -hmm. no, mostly it's just kind of I I, I'm welcoming the aesthetic of baseball back into my life. So, yeah, (laughs) you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Alan, I mean, for you, I mean, is there a spot where you, you know, first cut, second cuts or is it really that last week? Well, I. I'm curious. Yeah, I always kind of like that second cut. But then you start getting into that second week, and then uh, you start your your rotation starts lining out at that point, and then you start seeing the playing time and how much they're resting some of the guys, and you have a pretty good idea at this point. This year is going to be interesting because just due to the fewer games and the fewer people that are in camp, um, and I'm curious to see how how that's going to work out because he's going to because Shilton the the crew are going to have to. A work guys in, but B keep guys fresh, and you know, so it it this could be an interesting spring to see some of the position battles, and you may see a lot of A lineup early, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're you know considering that you've got an Edmund type carpet and Carpenter type, you know, but not necessarily a position battle, but they're going to try to find Carpenter his at bats and try to get him hot at any chance they can, and give him every chance to succeed. And, and give your five outfielders plenty of runs, so it 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 will be interesting. Uh, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it, but you know I, I I'm like Ben. A lot of it is the fact that we get to see guys in the uniforms playing tomorrow, and that the newness will be on for you know ten days at least of just watching the games and and not reading too much into it. Which I'm pretty much lying to you. I'll be doing that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what? Actually, I. The, the, Honestly, though, the one other thing I do look forward to is uh, individual matchups, and especially for the guys that are I'm expecting are going to be minor league guys. So for for me, like a Nolan Gorman type guy, yeah, I, I always like to see them, but I especially like it when it just works out that they're in a game facing like a legit major league pitcher, and that I always do feel like is a little bit telling. You know, you get your kind of uh, you know, promising young hitter who's put up big numbers in the minors and you're kind of starting to think like, oh man, this guy's on the cusp. And then sometimes, you know, you'll see him up there against a guy who's maybe like a, you know, five, six year MLB vet who's a little bit of a jobber, but that guy will still just carve him up. <laughs> and you realize like, okay, <laughs> like he's, he's still not quite there yet. Yeah. And you know what? That's a great point because they're going to, you're going to see, DeGrom, Scherzer, and a lot of those guys this this spring since they're not traveling to the other coast. So you're going to get to see see him exposed to a lot of those guys. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You you talked about Gorman. We talked a lot, of course, a lot about that last week with Cal Reese on the show. But um, are you excited about this idea of him moving to second um, and the potential that it brings? Oh, how, how could I not be? I mean, (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I love it. It's got real like uh, Alan Craig playing second base. Oh, yeah. Great call. call. And and, uh, I I don't know. I just I love um, or gosh, who was it? I was listening to some I was listening to another podcast, I think, earlier this week. And somebody mentioned, uh, um, oh, gosh, who was the the slugger kind of they had briefly had played at Colorado, but they put him out in left field for a while. Gosh, a few years ago. Anyway, I'm blanking. Um, can't think of the guy's name, but you know, I, I like it or, or Matt Adams in left field, you know, I mean, uh, I, I always love it when they just kind of try something out of the box to get, um, you know, a a really strong bat in, in the, you know, out there in the field. And, and he's obviously such, I mean, he's a lot more than say, you know, a Matt Adams, um, uh, so I'd love to see it happen. And, you know, again, I just keep thinking like, well, Jesus, Mike Moustakas has been playing second base for like yeah. three years now. And, you know, I, I and, and I've I've only watched a little bit of Gorman play, but I mean, he looks and he's a big guy, but he looks uh, quite a bit more athletic than Mike Moustakas does. So, you know, it's like, yeah. hey, maybe this could work. Uh, you know, I hope I hope. I mean, the idea of I mean, I don't know how much mileage the marketing department would get out of two Nolans and two Pauls in the infield. Oh. <laughs> oh. Plenty. Well, I um, wish they still had those, uh, like those posters in the nineties, you know, like it'd oh, be yeah. great mm-hmm. for the, uh, yeah, the Costco or the, the brother. Yeah. The, like the bash brother posters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That would be a perfect, uh, yeah. Two, yeah. Two yeah, Pauls and two exactly. Nolans. So 
that would be pretty slick. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'm glad it sounds like it's, it's kind of Gorman's idea, which is you know, a smart reading of the room perhaps, um, to try to find something else. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, you got to admire a guy that's willing to do that and not just say, find me a place where I can play third base. He's like, I want to be in the major leagues and I'll do whatever I can to, to get there. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's got to help when they bring in, you know, Nolan Arenado at your position and he's got like, mm-hmm. you know, what, six years left on his contract <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> time for plan B. So <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. So anyway, well, I, I, I know we're, we've kind of, we probably have a few more things to talk about in this uh, spring training thing, but we are talking about Nolan Arenado and um, Ben wrote recently over at Viva Alberto's some of the strategies and some of the do's and don'ts about buying a new player. Jersey. <laughs> um, ben, you, you just want to you know, take the floor on that for a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I am. <laughs> More than happy to talk about that. By the way, Brandon Moss, that's who I was trying to think of earlier. Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. out yeah, in the yeah. So Brandon Moss. Um, uh, yeah. So first off, and as I did in the article, I do feel like prefacing it. I, I, I never want to tell anybody how to be a fan. You know what I mean? So like people who, you know, everybody, you know, do it your way. It's about having fun, have fun. So, so I, you know, don't mean to criticize how anyone else does it. That said, here's the right way to do it. And that is, uh, <laughs> no, you know, what struck me was I, it was, a, you know, a, a week or two ago on uh, Twitter, I just started seeing posts from all these, you know, Cardinals fans opening, you know, because they just gotten their Arnado jerseys in the mail that they'd ordered, you know, and they were very excited about them and everything, which is, again, awesome for them. But I just thought to myself, there is no way I would buy that jersey right now. <laughs> and and a, a lot of it, I have to admit, is kind of a, like a superstition thing. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm like, oh man, if I buy that Jersey and then he just goes out there and tanks, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, frankly, I'm going to feel partly responsible, but (laughs) you know, you know, more than that, especially if I bought like an authentic Jersey or something, you know, it's like I dropped, gosh, how much those even cost now? 200 bucks, 300 bucks. Oh, the replicas are 130, 140. Yeah. You know, I, I I dropped quite a bit of money on this and like now I don't even want to wear, like I go to the game, I'm like, oh, I don't want to wear this, you know? So, <laughs> so that was kind of my, that was kind of my thing. And I don't know if some of it is just, you know, being old enough. I, Cause I, I immediately think back and like uh, Tino Martinez and Troy Gloss were the two who kind of came to mind for me for, you know, Cardinals, like, you know, kind of guys who came in who were veterans of a certain pedigree, you know, who had been, you know, you know, good and even very good players elsewhere, uh, you know, a little bit later on in their careers, and there was, you know, some buzz, some excitement. Hey, we brought these guys in and now, you know, neither one of them really, you know, panned out or did what they wanted here. So, you know, I'm glad I didn't, you know, spring for that, that Tino Martinez or that, uh, or that Troy Gloss jersey. So, um, <laughs> but I, I also just to me, and again, I'm, I'm just kind of weird about it in general. I mean, I, I you know, I, to me, I, I want to see a guy who's put in uh, quite a few years with the team and and been good enough that I feel like, you know, if this guy, if his career falls apart tomorrow or he's, you know, traded somewhere, I am still always going to fondly remember him as a Cardinal and feel, you know, proud to walk around wearing this, wearing this Jersey. So it's a, it's an extremely high bar that I set for very ridiculous reasons. But, uh, but that's, that's my process on that. I did say too in there, Jerseys are different. Jerseys are cheap enough mm-hmm. that I feel like if you want to, you know, you, you want to buy a, a, a one-off jersey or a joke jersey or something, go nuts. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, anyway, those are uh, those are my own uh, weird rules. Uh, what about you? Are you guys superstitious at all about that stuff, or are you? What do you What do you think? I I I don't. I wouldn't say I'm superstitious about it at all. I you know I do remember. Of course, I don't. Like you said, the money is involved. I have very few replica jerseys, mostly our jerseys in there. And I remember the winter warmup that Jason Hayward was announced. Um, yeah. I sent some money to a friend of mine and said, hey, get me a jersey. And they were out. And that may have been you know, a saving grace. <laughs> thing, but I don't know that that's yeah. one that I would want to wear 
uh, very much now. But uh, and, and see, that's that's another perfect example. You had one season to proudly wear your Jason Hayward jersey, and then uh, you know after that you were celebrating a Cubs World Series victory every time. You yeah, that, so that's. that's <laughs> That is the even that's the the worst case scenario for sure. But uh, which I guess gets back into, you know, I do have these jerseys in, in rotation to some degree, and my Arenado one is is on the way. Um, but what's your kind of rules maybe about wearing them after the player is not active anymore? Does it? I mean, right. you know, do you? I mean, obviously, I'm sure it depends on how the player leaves or anything yep. like that, but. What are you thinking on that? Well, that's where I feel like if a if a guy has kind of created enough of an identity of a Cardinal as a Cardinal, I feel mm-hmm. good about it. So I'll give you, for instance, actually, I do own a Colton Wong. Um, I, I got one of the uh, they did the the it was a giveaway. So it's not like a, you know, hundred dollar <laughs> replica, but they did the, the giveaway where it's the Colton Wong jersey. But it's like a Hawaiian shirt print in the numbers. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. I just thought was a really cool, <laughs> you know, right? Cool yeah. shirt. So I, I I picked that up, and uh, and Colton Wong's not on the team anymore. But you know, Colton Wong, what did he play? Six years, uh, mm-hmm. something you know, yeah. like that. Uh, six seven years. Uh, I loved him. You know, great player. Uh, eh, I'll, still, I'll still, you know, I got no qualms going to the game wearing a wearing wearing that Colton Wong shirt at this point. So, uh, so I try to. And that's one of the earlier, probably earlier in a career ones I would have like, you know, pulled the pulled the trigger on there. So, um, you know, and that's why I honestly I I tend to, uh, you know, I'll tend to grab like an Okindo or, you know, yeah. um, I mean, I've got a yeah. few Pujol shirts, you know, because who doesn't? But, um, uh, you know, et cetera. Some of those, you know, when, when you kind of get a guy whose uh, legacy is a little more locked in, you're uh, you're a little bit safer there. So yeah. but uh you know, I guess I respect the folks that are gambling and buying the buying the jersey on day one. Well, it's always interesting when they pay in, you know, when there is a crowd to see which jerseys are out there. And, oh, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, who was that guy again? Uh, <laughs> but for example, and maybe Alan, you can weigh in this. Say you bought a Larry Walker right. uh, Cardinal one. You know, he's only here for a couple of years obviously great years right. or, you know, at the end of his career, he's going to the hall of fame as somebody else. Where would that fit into your, you know, rotation as it were, if you had one? Well, so, oh, no, no, go, no, 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 go, go ahead. Good. I've been, no, I've no, been no, no, I don't have a, no, I, you, you wrote it out. And like I said, I personally, I have one, one, uh, authentic Jersey and it's a blue Aussie from the eighties. Yep. And yep. then my, my Jersey's a no number, uh, one of the uh, the cool base just white homes and that and I don't have a number name or number on the back. So I'm enjoying this conversation because I think I've only bought one jersey in my life and it was it was freeze for my son. Yeah. So yep. Well, I do have a uh, yeah. I have a, I have an authentic uh, uh, blue kind of uh, you know from I don't know it's like '82 or whatever. It's a, yeah. pull, a pullover, but it's yeah. with, it is a no name one as well. That one and that's cool. that's one yeah. I probably wear more than anything else, but. Uh, uh, Al, I'm sorry, I forgot the question. I was, we were jumping in. Oh, it was Larry Walker. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I do feel like if a guy's been on a World Series team or a really, really good team, mm-hmm. that can yeah. kind of accelerate them into that conversation. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I don't know. For me, like I would, I would totally wear a Larry Walker jersey, even though he was here. Oh, for yeah. A brief no. period of time. I mean, such a great player, and he played on a real, you know. His, you know, what two seasons or so that he was here were really pretty iconic seasons. You know, um, I'd, I'd probably a little less so, but I, I'd wear a Beltran jersey. You know, kind of same. You know, same. Ooh, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, it's a good comp, actually. Yeah. Of course, then you get the whole Astros. Well, yeah, too. Beltran's. Yeah, Beltran's. His legacy is a little fraught at this point. But <laughs> yeah, no, so it, 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 it that's kind of interesting. I as we had this discussion, I remembered a post I had written. It turns out it was like 2013, so it's a very a dated post. But it was really kind of saying, "What does this jersey say about you? Oh, if you're yeah. wearing an Aussie Smith jersey, yep. does this, you know, you say you like, you know, you're classy, you're, you're, you know, you like defense or whatever. Yeah. If you're wearing a, you know, Matt Carpenter jersey, does it mean something different now than it did, you know, a few years ago? Um, do you? I mean, if you see somebody wearing a stubby clap or a bow heart does that 
skew your opinion of them just a little bit just by saying that? Well, I, I think it's a great point that the jersey that someone chooses really is uh, it, it does say so much about them. And and I, I, I love the idea of exploring that. So so, you know, to me, the person who who buys that Arenado jersey on day one, that's an extremely optimistic person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is a tomorrow is going to be better than today kind of attitude from that person. And I really respect that. Uh, gosh, several years ago, I, w- I went to uh, the World Baseball Classic one year, which is great, by the yeah. way. I had oh, seen one, one day I was sitting behind a guy wearing a, a Doc Ellis replica jersey. And that, that told me something very specific about <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, so, but, you know, because, yeah, you'll get people who, you know, just have that, like, really, really random ex-player, but it's, you know, kind of hilarious. You know, I always respect mm-hmm. those guys. And, of course, I... Those are the ones that I like snap a picture of, you know, and text, you know, text all my buddies. And, um, you know, you get the people who are like the the front runners, you know, that just kind of, you know, oh, yeah, you bought that because, you know, that guy was hot lately. So, um, yeah, that's that's a I, I like that. I, I, I want to I almost want to bring like a psychologist in to just really analyze, you know, some of these choices and other people, but myself as well. I go through jerseys that have I've owned and, you know, what does that say about me? So, yeah. Um, I would you, I mean, again, especially not in, if price was not an issue, would you buy a Jersey of a player on another team? I mean, like one of the reasons I was very anxious to buy an Arenado Jersey or Jersey was the fact that I've really enjoyed him enough in Colorado that he was, you know, it was a possibility that I would have bought something like that. Would you ever do that? That's a great question. And I, I do struggle with that because I do. I mean, I own some some non Cardinals baseball stuff, but um, I do sort of kind of find that I don't wear it all that often, um, you know, just because like sometimes I'm wearing it out. And so, so for example, uh, I've got the kind of classic uh, Brewers hat, you know, yeah, yeah, which which is just it's a beautiful hat. And I, I went up actually several years ago. Um, I went up to a, a late season series there. It was the year that um, it, it, was, it was one of the years that the, the Brewers and the Cubs were kind of battling it out for the division. And it was like the, like the last weekend of the season or something. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was rooting for the Brewers in that scenario. And I've always loved that hat. So I was like, I'm going to buy this hat. So and I've worn it like a handful of times since then. I think it's a really cool hat. But the problem is I'll be wearing it out somewhere and someone's like, oh, you're a Brewers fan. And then, you know, it's like, <laughs> the, you know, correct yeah. them. So yeah. um, my my brother-in-law up in uh, the Twin Cities bought me a Williams Astadio t-shirt, um, you know, from awesome. the Twins. Yeah. Who, you know, I mean, who loves, you know, you got to love La Tortuga. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I'll wear that occasionally too, but, you know, same kind of thing. Then someone comes up to you with that brotherly, like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're in the Twins fraternity with me and you got to be like, yeah. no, sorry. I just, I think he's, you know, like him. He, he runs funny and I like to watch him hit. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, yeah. So yeah. what about you guys? Do you have stuff from other, other teams? That's a good question. I don't know this. I don't know if this fits. I, I do not, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't take a lot of talk to buy, to get me to buy a Braves Pendleton Jersey. Um, and I know that I know that's kind of one of those to where you're where it's like, well, he was a former Cardinal. That doesn't make right. a lot of sense. But one, I always love Pendleton. And two, I've always been a big fan of the Braves jerseys. I uh, you know what I mean. I know that they're even a little bit of a negative stigma about them now. But I've yeah. always liked their uniforms. Right. Uh, that would be one that I could probably see myself on. But I don't even know if that even kind of fits into the category. Well, you know what we're talking about. Oh, totally, totally, yeah. Yeah, Danny, what about you? You got anything? I had a stretch where you could find some jerseys. And I had a, I think I had a Griffey and I had an A-Rod in Seattle. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where any of those are, and I probably couldn't fit into them anymore if I did. Um, I do have, which is a little bit interesting, I have a Evan Longoria one from the American League All-Star game wow. team when wow. he was when it was in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So, I have the I have the uh the batting practice uh jersey from that year from the National League with no name on it, but I did pick up the jersey of Longoria because he was a guy I liked and it yeah. was mm-hmm. on the other side um because we were up there for the Fan Fest and everything around yeah. 
around the all-star game that year. So, um, so that was a little bit unique. I don't wear it very often, but it's hanging in my closet somewhere. I think. Yeah. I, I loved the logo. I loved that all-star logo the year mm-hmm. it was in St. Louis. Yeah. The, the yeah. kind of arch and the sort of like kind of Cardinals looking esque font on the front of it. And I, uh, I mean, I, I had a, I had a pool hole Jersey from that year. And uh, uh, I look back, like, I wish I had bought more of those. Cause I just, I really love those. Plus I'm just, I'm a really big national league fan anyway. Yeah. So I, just, I like walking around with a national league uh, <laughs> shirt on. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, and again, it, it may not be an issue. Are, do you retire jerseys and people from people that, you know, may not have ever had a, as much of an impact? Like, you know, had a two or three good years, yeah. but you don't, you just don't, not that you have anything against them, you just don't wear it as much. Uh, you know, I'm so stingy about who I buy them for. I right. haven't, mm-hmm. you know, like I haven't run into that yet, but you know, uh, but I, you know, I certainly would in a certain situation, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, like if, uh, you know, if, if, if Colton Wong, like, you know, lost his mind and, you know, went on an online rant and said <laughs> some objectionable things or, you know, something like that, maybe yeah. I would, maybe I would fold up and put away my Wong jersey, but of course he won't be. <laughs> yeah. He's an amazing right. person. So no, luckily right. I, uh, yeah, luckily I haven't, uh, I haven't run into that, but, uh, I love this conversation. I feel like we're getting to know each other better through this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> just about oh, yeah. like, it's, a, it's a great window into the mind of another fan. Yeah. Well, and I had, uh, again, especially up until, you know, kids got older and, you, and the shirts went from $20 to, you know, 40. Yeah. Um, I had a, a number of them and it wound up, you know, retiring a lot of them as the players left the team. And I actually had a quilt made out of some of my oh, older ones, yep. which was is pretty cool with that and some other Cardinal shirts and things like that. Some Mark McGuire ones and things of that nature. So oh, that's really cool. at my, least there was some use. My, uh, my wife did that with a bunch of her shirts from like a college and high school, like mm-hmm. from different kind of clubs and things. She's got a quilt from those. It's I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of it. It's a really cool item. Yeah. Uh, full, yeah. full disclosure. I'm more of a hat guy. Like I yeah. have, mm-hmm. I have so many hats. And in fact, my, my wife has instituted a one in one out policy on my, <laughs> I, can, yeah. I can never own more hats than I do at this point, but you know, I, I probably, gosh, it's, I probably between at least like 30 and 50. So it's, wow. 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 It's you know, lot. yeah. In, in college, I worked at, uh, at a sporting goods store and got a good rate on a ton of, a ton of fitted hats. And I used to wear a bunch anymore. I'm, I, I wear them until I wear them out. And I have my special ones that I'll wear to Cardinals games and the ones that I wear for playoff games and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, I don't keep as many as I used to, but I, as far as the hats, oh, I'm in mean, my jerseys the same way. You know, I save like my white night white home for the, uh, you know, for the opener and the playoff games mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, but no, it, it's at one point I had a ton of hats, but uh, I don't anymore. And I'm pretty particular on mine, but I'm, I'm a big t-shirt guy. Yeah. You know, I have a ton of just Cardinals logos, t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Is there anything you look for in a hat particularly, Ben? I mean, or is there something that just happens to strike your fancy? I don't know. I just, I like, uh, I've got a lot of different ones. You know, my favorite one lately, uh, I went, gosh, I guess it, well, it wouldn't have been last year because we were in quarantine all last year, but not too long before quarantine, maybe the fall before uh, we went out to visit some friends in Seattle and we went to the uh, Ebbetsfield flannel uh, retail oh, nice. store that's yeah. there. Yeah. And I, I got a, a St. Louis stars hat there. Um, awesome. It's really nice. And it's like the felt with the felt bill. It's just a really, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I like that one a lot, but um, no, I have a bunch. Of course, the funny thing is at any given time, I only maybe rotate through like four or five of them, sure. you know? Mm-hmm. And then what really drives my wife nuts is it's like, I, I, I have, you know, at least like three or four of the like, you know, dark, the like blue road Cardinals hats. And she's like, you know, why do you need like multiples of these? And it's like, well, this is like my pristine, you know, <laughs> yeah. this yeah. is my everyday hat. This is my like mowing the lawn hat, you know, and you know, the, the mowing the lawn hat, you know, was my pristine hat, you know, several years ago, but it's kind of gradually worked its way down the chain. So um, <laughs> it's, yeah. I- I was probably 14 and whatnot, and, and uh, it was at home, of course. And and I remember mom was like, well, why don't you wear that hat? And I and I gave her this one. I was like, well, I can't because that's my dress hat. Yeah. <laughs> and she gave it a big eye roll and walked off. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I get it. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't been up. I have not been to the store. I know that it's new and I think it opened last year. So no, maybe not many have, but there's a baseballism yeah. store, mm-hmm. I believe right next to Bush stadium. Now Yeah, I had a couple, I, somebody sent me a couple of their shirts. They're kind of unique. I think uh, they're not, you know, obviously not Cardinal related, but right. they're kind of in the unique look for that. Yeah. And, and I do, I have a lot of just kind of baseball shirts in general. Yeah. I, I buy a lot of, uh, uh, I do buy a lot of Ebbets Field flannel shirts and stuff like that. So I've got shirts for a bunch of, you know, defunct uh, independent leagues and things That's like awesome. that. And you have I, a Mavericks? I, oh, go ahead. No, do you have a Mavericks? You have a Portland Mavericks shirt? Uh, I don't. That would be have, awesome. But I have a uh, Portland Beavers, the like a uh, uh, field crew jacket from <laughs> nice. that Ebbets Field flannel. Yeah. So it's like the, you know, the guys who cleaned up the stadium, but it's got, it's got like felt letters, like hand stitched onto the back that wow. says Beavers on it. And uh, it's awesome. it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty swinging, but I do, I coach, uh, you know, I coach youth baseball and I, I just, I usually wear a baseball shirt of some kind, like to, you know, practices and stuff. And so, I don't know, I just kind of like to have a whole, a whole bunch of them to, you know, cheer sure. from. You know, you, for some reason that brought to mind something that I have that I haven't looked, haven't, I've got it put away because, but it was an Albert Pujols, like Negro Leagues type jersey that was actually like a wool type jersey. Oh. It was so itchy yeah. to wear <laughs> that I, that's why I never wound up wearing it very often because yeah. you had to put something underneath it because it was really itchy, but it looked cool. I mean, uh, so. well, you know, it's funny. I, as much as I love uh, Ebbsfield flannels, I, I don't think I own a single one of their jerseys at this point, but, and that's partly because they're like so authentic that I, you know, I've gotten them before, yeah. and it's like this cut and this material is horrifically uncomfortable. <laughs> so, like, I want to go back to the like you know modern thing where it's you know like you know you know seventy percent cotton and twenty percent rayon and ten percent you know something they make the space shuttle out of, but it like <laughs> yeah. stretches and looks perfect. At, you know so. Yeah, that's the that's the good stuff. Yeah, those so. those jerseys. There's only a matter of time when they're on me that it didn't have some barbecue sauce on them or yeah, something. Right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I typically don't wear my my replica jerseys very often, just because I'm like, okay, oh, what yeah. are we having for dinner tonight? Yeah. Tonight, you know, I don't get anything on this. I may I will sometimes change before dinner just because of that. Yeah. Oh, man. Um. So, Ben, anything else that you have in the pipeline coming up at, at Viva anytime soon? Oh, boy. I wish I thought that far ahead, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, the one thing I was kind of looking at, and I think it's probably what I'm going to write about next week. Um, I don't know. Did, did you guys see uh, Clay Davenport released his uh, projections? Oh, yeah. He was, had the Cardinals fourth. He had the Cardinals, yeah, with 77 wins. Wow. And so, but um, I mean, obviously, the uh, baseball prospectus, you know, had him at like 80. So um, uh, so I just, I, you know, I was just kind of uh, looking at that a little bit and just kind of, you know, digging into like what, you know, what is he seeing there? And um, yeah. so um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I uh, it's probably probably dig through that with just, you know, quickly I, I looked and so I saw he had the, you know, 23rd in runs scored. And I was like, oh, well, their offense is bad, but it's not that bad, right? Well, then I look back, and last year they were 23rd, and I did adjust that as if they had played 60 games. <laughs> and the year before they were 19th. So I was like, eh, they're, they're that bad. <laughs> but yeah. um, So then what I realized, the, the, the difference was, was he, he, in terms of runs allowed, he has them finishing 13th in the league. And this is obviously a very crude thing, but those are two of the right. metrics he gave. But so he had them at like 13th there, whereas they were sixth in 2020 and fifth in 2019. So really what his projection comes down to is he's expecting the offense to be more or less the same as it has been, but, uh, you know, expecting the the run prevention to fall back significantly, which which is interesting to me. And I, I, I just, to be honest, I really don't buy. I think their pitching is quite strong and their defense is, is excellent. So um, so yeah. that, I mean, that helps because I, I don't buy into that, but it's still, you know, when you see people who are, you know, good at their methodology, have the Cardinals with, you know, 80 wins and 77 wins, it definitely gives you some pause. 
Yeah. Well, and, and it's good to see those just because you want to make sure you're not looking at it too much with red tinted glasses. You yeah. know, it's like, what are they seeing? And, yeah. you know, are they real? Yeah. So, so anyway, we'll see. I'm just, I just kind of started digging into those numbers. So we'll probably write about that next week. Cool. Well, that should be fun. We'll look, keep an eye, an eye out for that. Um, and I know we've gone through your, you know, most popular piece, but is there any uh, other piece that you have written recently that you've been particularly proud of? Oh my gosh. I got to even, I, uh, boy, I, I wish I just had a, uh, something jumping out at me, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, I'm kind of on to the next, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. with them. So I don't know. We were talking beforehand. It's, I mean, and I, I write all over the place. I'm not someone who, I definitely, I have so much respect for people like Kyle, who you know, Kyle's a prospect guy, and you know, Kyle yeah. really kind of owns that space. And you know, I'm sort of all over the place, but uh, um, I feel like people always respond to things like the jersey, <laughs> you know, the jersey yeah. thing, and sort of some of the. Uh, um, someone at Viva Alberta's used to call those the uh, uh, the liberal arts pieces, and so um, <laughs> I do I do have a penchant for writing the liberal arts pieces. So those are those are often the ones that I enjoy writing more, and people respond to them more. So so frankly, I should probably stick to those and and not try to dissect Clay Davenport's projections. But you know, I like to I like to try to be a math guy every now and then too. So. Well, and I know your last piece was on the the minor leagues and the agreement with MLB. Or the yeah, agreement kind of makes it sound like there was two sides to it, right. um, which doesn't really feel like that was the case. Yeah, um, and I and I agreed, especially with the the subhead there of a lot of you know baseball is a regional mm-hmm. game that you know just com- encompasses different regions over the and we shouldn't try to necessarily make it. Right. A national game. Yeah. And, and part of that was, and obviously I've been, that's something I've been frustrated about as I know you guys have, you know, for a while. And the fact that they, you know, they were going to eliminate these teams and stuff. I was, I was never happy about that, but you know, just in the last couple of weeks, the fact that it went from just not, okay, they eliminated all these teams. I'd sort of almost made my peace with, okay, that's, that's just what they're doing. But then this this realignment and then like removing these really historic names for these, you know, these leagues that that predated major league affiliation and everything. It just I mean, it felt more like vandalism to me than anything else. And it just felt like a real disregard for that piece of baseball history. So um, so I I was definitely frustrated about that. So so, yeah, if you want to if you want to read me being angry, definitely check that one out. Yeah, put those put those together. Uh, read one and then the other, and you see both sides of, of Ben at one time. So. Uh, oh, Ben, thanks for for joining us. I think we've had a, a fun time uh, tonight chatting around, and um, we'll have to do it again sometime. Oh yeah, always always love talking to you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. All right, um, next week we uh, we go back to the minor leagues a little bit. We've got uh, Brian Walton joining us next week, um, and so that should be a, a fun conversation as well. But until then. For Alan, I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. They just.